Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24 hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Remember, remember the 5th of December. It's Krampus night here again. Remember, remember the 5th of December. Bad kids will meet their end. Who? <laughs> what? Bad kids will meet their end. Well, that'll happen, you know, especially in Germany. Is that where Krampus was invented? Was it in Germany? Jeff Belanger with us. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, and happy Krampusnacht to all of you. Krampusnacht. Jawohl. So, so is Krampus, a, is that a German character or figure? Figure, character, invention, how dare you use such words? <laughs> no, I don't mean, I meant guy. He from Germany, yes. Is he a German guy? Yes. <laughs> That's a better way to yes. put it. He does, he hails from Germany and Germanic uh, folklore, uh, for sure. Because yeah, they don't use spread throughout the, throughout the world, really, at this point. And I will tell you something, Jeff. My mother was 100% German, and those Germans are just never known to punish children. <laughs> you sure she was German? <laughs> uh, yeah, she was German, all right. Yeah, no, I, I think the if you look at the old Brothers Grimm Tales, I mean the originals. Yes. You think of Cinderella, you think of what Disney showed you. The original Grimm Tales are brutal. Uh, for example, the original Cinderella story, mm-hmm. where the stepsisters are trying to squeeze their, shoot their feet into the glass slipper in the right. Disney version. In the Grimm version, one of them cuts her toes off and fills it with blood. Yeah. In there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're very brutal. This was the original, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we kind of whitewashed that over the years. And, and then at the Grimm end, doesn't Cinderella turn into, like, a pumpkin? She, uh... <laughs> or something to that effect? Her, uh, her carriage uh, turned into 
Oh, she turned. Does she? Something bad happens to her at the end, doesn't it? Yeah, she turns back into just a you know a common girl without the the fancy clothes and everything. Uh, else. So Maybe she never. The, she just didn't get the princes all. Yeah, yeah. Those those original stories. I think you know back in the 1800s, these stories, these folklore and legends, they were very brutal. They were very black and white, and that was the world that they lived in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And over over time, we've really tone that down. Um, but the good news is these legends, which I believe are living, breathing things in and of themselves, they can come back. They can, And they are coming back. Krampus is an example of that. I mean, a Hollywood movie was released nationwide a couple of years ago. Uh, that alone tells you that he's popula- popular enough that he's making a comeback. There are now Krampus action figures. Pop really? coaches. Well, there are. I knew one of those, you know, those little... Uh, Fun pop characters. The little they've got a Krampus figure that just came out from that. Mm, I didn't know that either. But I I, I love the whole Krampus storyline because to me it's like you find out uh, he's actually buddies with Santa Claus. Santa he sends Krampus out as kind of his uh, mob enforcer, <laughs> so that by the time Santa hits the ground running, he doesn't have to worry who's good and bad. Krampus has cleared oh, the way. Oh, nice! It's the original good cop, bad cop. It really is. And, and Krampus just looks like he's a little bit like a satyr, half goat. Yeah, he's, he's, but he's. he's yeah, he's covered in fur. He's got hooves for feet. He's he's got horns. He's got a long red forked tongue. Uh, he, he, the chains rattle as he approaches, and he stuffs kids into either a burlap sack or a basket. And there were dozens and dozens of different uh, postcard designs that came out between the 1860s and the 1900s. This was like sending Christmas cards back then. It's it's the reminder of the consequence of the season. You know, you just until you got to the part about the kids, you were describing me. <laughs> well, big and hairy and cloven foot. Big and hairy and cloven hoof. At <laughs> <laughs> the seven foot tongue, you know the whole deal. It's uh, you know what? I, I I'm big into uh, horror films. I like horror, I don't I don't like slasher films. Like just you know stab them up and slit throats and all. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I I like you know kind of jump out scary things. Um, and if they if they're going to be brutal, they show a little bit of it, and then you know cut away to the shadows or the of the characters or whatever. I, I just love how people want there to be things in the world, and it's pretty much in every culture, isn't it, Jeff? That that people want there to be demons in the world. Why is that? Because there are demons in the world. I mean, think about well, uh, you, you know, Schrader's right here. You can't. <laughs> no, I know, right? You got Schrader. But uh, I mean, think about serial killers. Think about Hitler. Think about mm-hmm. you know people. There are monsters in our world. There were monsters in our world back then too, and and these representations help us kind of come to grips with that. And and I think what 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 a, what a legend is is it really is a living, breathing thing. If I say Bigfoot to you, there's a picture in your head that you you know where he lives, yes, you know where he's from, yes. and all that stuff. You know, and, and and as with so many other things, and our belief in the thing makes it real in a very tangible way. And so when we have Krampus, we've got this consequence of the season. Yeah. Do you do you know any kids that got coal or sticks in their stocking as a kid? Well, no. our son Andy's right here. So Andy, <laughs> do you ever get coal or sticks? I did not. I didn't think so. Yeah. So so that's not. I mean, that's not much of a consequence. And in fact, during some periods of time, if you were poor and cold, coal was great. It could yeah. Warm you up for a little while. So Krampus is the ultimate consequence. If you're not good, you die. (laughs) (laughs) Very clear cut. It is Krampus. I love the fact that there's a Krampus day. December 5th is Krampus day. And is it Krampus or Krampus? Krampus, I guess, would be a little more Germanic. And the reason that today, December 5th, is Krampus day is because tomorrow, December 6th, is St. Nicholas Day. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's where this comes from. So St. Nicholas comes tomorrow, and today is, is Krampusnacht. So if, you sur- if you're a kid and you somehow survive tonight, and imagine going to bed, Tom, and you're, you're, you're running through all your sins the last year. You're going, oh, man. I was well, Catherine does that for me. Broke that face, and I did this, and I did, oh, man, okay, right. well, I make it. And then if you wake up the next day, you're good for another year. Well, see, that's a good thing, because Krampus did not come and get me because I've spent 48 years in radio. I should be punished for that. <laughs> well, the, the night is young. It's well, that's true. I wonder how many parents mean. took the opportunity to throw their kid, their bad kid off a cliff. Seriously, <laughs> I bet it happened. Wow, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I bet it happened. This is the Christmas spirit. It's a little dark. There we go, Man. Catherine. <laughs> Holy cow. Andy, I'd go home right now if I were you. You just made Jeff Belanger, the lead investigative uh, researcher for Ghost Adventures, go, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, Nicely I done. You creeped him out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nervous. You know it. Jeff, I always think about this, and, and you had made like the, that kid. You had made the reference earlier. I love the fact that, and I do it. Everybody does it. Uh, they go, oh, you know, there's this, there's that, there's Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was the greatest thing that ever happened to Chairman Mao because Mao killed 80 million people, and everybody still go, well, Hitler. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> I killed 68 million fewer people than Mao did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it's not a competition, right? No, I guess it's not. Thank God. <laughs> you know, there are monsters among us is, is the point. And, and there are monsters that have killed just, you know, a, a half dozen people, but they did it in brutal ways. Oh, like yeah. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer and Son of Sam. And, you know, you, the, these things come up. And that's, that's a, it's a scary world we live in. And I think especially children are trying to come to grips with, the safety of living in your home where your parents take care of everything and keep you safe, that's their number one job, to also getting you ready for a world that's not so safe, that you're going to have to leave the nest and you're going to have to be able to cope with yourself knowing that there are demons out there. And Krampus helps with that. I really like the fact that you have a sense of humor about this. You spend a lot of time studying this and getting to know the the subject, but you have a sense of humor about it, so I have to tell you. Oh, yeah. The uh, weird. Kevin Meany was in in studio on my morning show the day that the Jeffrey Dahmer crimes were revealed. So as the news is coming in, Kevin Meany, who was unfortunately no longer with us, actually killed himself, to tell you the truth. But he said one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life. We're sitting there, this, these horrendous reports are coming through about heads being found in the refrigerator and you know organs on the stove and the whole deal, right? And they're going on and on and on. And Kevin Meany hasn't said much. So there's a little bit of a break in me. Kevin Meany says, can you imagine, Tom, if you're like the, the landlord in that building, the cops take Dahmer away, they haul out all that stuff, and you go in, you open the door, and you go, all this carpet's got to go. <laughs> Never too soon for Kevin Meany. Never exactly. Unbelievable. <laughs> I got two minutes on my watch. What do you got? That's amazing. You know, I, I grew up Roman Catholic, and, and Catholics love to believe in demons, first of all. Yeah. Is it more than any other religion, or do, do all religions believe that in their own special demons? Yeah, there are. There are I mean, the, the Muslims have the jinn, and uh, yeah. the dibbik in the Jewish faith, and uh, the Hinduism has got plenty as well. But I was raised Catholic as well, and boy, we've got a whole spectrum, right? We've got God and the devil. We've got angels. We've got demons. We've got saints. We've got sinners. We've got purgatory. I mean, there is. That's the, we're all. That's the whole spectrum of, of everything. And I think 
I was being raised Catholic, that probably made me more prone to believe in this kind of stuff because I was exposed to these ideas from such a young age. I, I have friends. I never did, but I have friends who, I, who I, I grew up with, Roman Catholic people. There are a couple of Italians on my morning show that I do, and they believe in uh, you know psychics, and they believe in devils and angels. They actually, they, these are grown people, and they, they do believe still in that stuff. They were raised Catholic, and they, and they believe it. Tread lightly, Bernard. What? <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying. They're like Dave sitting across from you. Those guys and they're adults well, and they believe in this stuff. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, <laughs> well, no. But I, well, let me let me bring it back to Krampus, right? So, what's the point of good if there is no evil? Well, you're right. right. What's the point of God without the devil? That is I mean, a problem. It's a, it's a it's a quandary. You have to choose good. That's that's the tenet of of most major religions. You have to make the the free will choice to choose good things because evil temptation is always out there. That is very true. Also, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life is a poster of a uh, young guy who's just scored a touchdown playing in a football game, and he's looking up at the sky and praying <laughs> to God and thanking Jesus for the touchdown. <laughs> and the other half of the poster is Jesus was with feet up watching a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. But I, 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 I've always been one, and Catherine, my, my wife, is here, Hello. and she'll tell you that if I get a chance to go see a horror film, I'll do it in a minute because I enjoy them. And that's all the way from, I, I don't know anything will ever top Psycho, but of course I was only 11 years old when that movie came out, so it kind of freaked me out. There's Man. no doubt about that. But I love that. So see, I love going to movies and being scared. Stabbing stuff doesn't scare me. Sure. Well, didn't they, with the Krampus thing, though, too, I mean, what's what's kind of a fascinating aspect, didn't they actually kind of outlaw Krampus, Jeff, for oh, a long did. time? Where you just, because it became such a powerful um, fear mm. place that they actually, they stopped talking about it and giving it any power for a number of years? Well, for example, I can tell you something that happened uh, three days ago where I live in Massachusetts. There was a Krampus festival planned for this weekend, uh -oh. and the church got it shut down because this is the Christmas devil. And I so badly wanted to sit down and talk with the, the priest, pastor, Monsignor, whoever it was that, that did this, to say, Krampus is actually on your side. You, know, he's, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't quite get this, but like he's the consequence. Like I, I think you should be more against Santa Claus than Krampus if I had to pick one, but I'm not in charge of religions, probably for a really good reason. But Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, leave the abuse of children to the religious leaders, <laughs> not right. some demonic force. Right, but, that's, but you know what I'm saying? I, th I think if, if you look at Krampus, he looks like a Satan figure, and, and yes. I get that that's scary, and that's the point. But if you look at his story... That's, uh, the, he, you know, the angel of death, that, that legend. The angel of death is not evil. The angel of death just is doing a, a job that is really a bad job and no, a job no one wants. But that doesn't make it an evil character. Really? And I think Krampus is the same way. Krampus is just the enforcer. He didn't commit the sins. He's just enforcing the punishment. I like the idea. I am Krampus. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of Krampus. That's a, the enforcer. That's a good thing. You know, I, I tell you something, and, and I think Catherine knows this, and she's probably the only one in the room that knows this. But when I was very, very young, um, 10, 12 years old, somewhere in that, in that area, I contemplated the devil for the very first time. I didn't really think much about it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the devil. That's right. There's angels, and there's a the devil, and there's Jesus, and there's all this other stuff. But I actually thought about it in depth for the first time. And it almost brought me to tears thinking that there could be a being, the devil, 
Is there any more lonely or sad or isolated being on Earth than the devil? How sad is that? Well, I don't know. All my dead friends are probably with him. <laughs> He's probably you know, hanging out. With that said, Tom, there's a great scene. It's a bad movie overall, but there's a, a movie that came out called Dracula 2000. Oh, I remember that, Where yeah. Dracula's kind of reawoken. Right. And you finally hear the backstory. And spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what it comes out to be. And they, they had a genius aspect for who Dracula really was. Mm-hmm. And they bring it back past Vlad the Impaler. It turns out he's Judas Iscariot. Oh, see? And the reason he hung himself at uh, nightfall, so that's why he can never see the sun again. Yes. And silver is offensive to him because he traded the mm. Christ for 13 pieces I of like silver. It. And he's got this deal. And at the end, he's... Like you're saying, the, the devil's the loneliest guy on earth. Judas is on the roof, Dracula, and he's he's yelling at God, and he goes, why am I being punished? It was foretold. I did my job. Yeah. And he's, like, just outraged at this whole thing. I see this. Oh, that that's, like, the best part of it. You're like, holy crap, that's really impressive, see, you know, that they thought that far out of, of who this character would be and why he does what he does. That's why I love it. That's why I love it so much. But but it did. I thought, my God, it made me very sad to think that somebody was that isolated and that miserable. You know, it it, it was it really bothered me. And then Jeff, you got into radio. Then I got into radio, <laughs> and I was really miserable. Uh, we're gonna be back in about two minutes. Is that that's all right with you, Jeff? You got it. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Always a pleasure to be with you, Tommy. So you're splitting the tab at lunch or pitching in on a gift for a coworker. Maybe you got to pay that football pool entry fee and you need to settle up now. What do you do if you don't have cash on hand? You could use one of those third-party transferring services that comes with fees and takes days. But how secure are they? Why not send money quickly and safely with the click of a button without the hassle of a middleman? What's the answer, Michael? The XChat app brought to you by your local community bank. It's safe, secure, and simple to use. The XCheck app. Simply add a new contact by entering their name, phone number, and email into the app. Enter a dollar amount and then initiate the transfer. To accept the payment, the contact simply enters their bank information through a secure link sent via text or email. XCheck, safe and simple from my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Running with the devil. See, now there's a Sicilian right there playing that, Jeff. Mike Molina playing Running with the Devil as a theme song for this segment. I love that. Jeff Belanger with us, ladies and gentlemen. 
uh, all your accomplishments, great accomplishments. Uh, Dave's been telling me all about you for, for a while and now. Can, can I mention for him, too? He hosts a weekly podcast. It's one of these micro-podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're like 6 to 12 minutes long. Yes. And it's OurNewEnglandLegends.com. And he goes into these different legends that are really amazing, and he does it in a fun, entertaining way. And, again, they're not something that's going to take up your whole day. But you can find it at OurNewEnglandLegends.com and keep up with uh, all the all the stories behind the history. Now, Jeff, can you find anybody still working at PBS? Because they all got fired, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You know, PBS, it's, uh, I've been doing projects for them. It's, it's a, I'm a stringer, really. It's an independent producer. So Wonderful. I don't, yeah, I don't work for them, but they, they right. play our stuff. And, um, you know, and with that comes a budget of, you know, zero, really. <laughs> so... Um, it's some of these projects you do because they're passion projects, and some of them you do to make a living. And, and I'm blessed that I get to do so many different things. That is a wonderful thing. You published in six languages as well. That's very impressive. Yeah, so you know, I, I write books, and like Dave said, the podcast. So what this all comes down to is I'm really fascinated with the backstory of everything, you know. And the Christmas thing for me started about four or five years ago. I was hanging my wreath on the front door. And I went, why am I doing this? And it, it wasn't like I was in some Grinch moment or anything. I just went, well, my, I know my dad put a wreath on our door and my grandfather's did. And, and it looks nice. It's pleasant. I'm, I love the holiday season. I really do. But why the wreath? And then yeah. you start going back and you learn, like, well, the Nordic people, they would look out at this bleak nan- landscape and see that winter kills everything. Everything. All the trees, the plants, the, the flowers, everything except the evergreen. The evergreen must be imbibed with magic. The holly bush must be magical. It's more powerful right. than winter. Right. So they'd put these pine needle boughs over their doors and windows because those prickly needles would keep out the evil spirits during the, the long winter. And we still do it, and we don't even know why. And I'm like, now I love when I hang my wreath. I'm keeping out evil spirits. I'm keeping the good spirit and good cheer inside. I think this is a great thing, and we, just, we don't even know why. We just do these things because our parents did it. But there's a backstory. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it brings great joy to people about bringing, yes, their life will return. You bring the tree indoors and, uh, you know. That's well, a it, weird one. I mean, really, to bring a tree inside is well, weird. It it's is. a little weird. To kill it and bring <laughs> it in. To kill it and bring it in. Well, there, there's a reason, though. I mean, so, so that evergreen represents something more powerful than winter. And then this is, so many of our traditions come from the festival Yule, from the Scandinavian part of the world. Right. And this Yule took place on the winter solstice. And it, it, was, it was a time when they would all drink from the drinking horn. They would share it with each other. And the idea is that we're all equal. Because let's face it, in that part of the world, just like in your part of the world, it, winters can be long and bleak. And my roof may collapse, and I might need to seek shelter with you, and vice versa. And, and we're going to need to get through this together. And, and I think that's, that's a good thing. That's a good tradition to carry over you know, year after it year. Is. And that's, that's why we, we keep that stuff around. And same with the evergreen. Yep. It's a sacred bush. It's a sacred uh, tree, and, and, if, and we honor that. We honor, we honor nature. And if nothing else, you may need it to burn for firewood. Well, and to tell you the truth, as far as growing up a little boy in Minnesota, as soon as I saw the Christmas tree, I thought, oh, great, we're only eight months away from spring. <laughs> so, so, right. so, so why does the, why does the sexual ha- harassment uh, uh, plant, uh, the mistletoe, how does that come, in, come to be? Yeah, think about that. that. That's a great story. I'm glad you asked. So mistletoe, uh, the, the legend behind it is there's the Norse god Frigg, who yep. was the wife of Odin. Odin's the, the big chief who would ride through the sky on an eight-legged horse and have a big white beard. 
eight legs, white beard, flying through the sky, mm. round solstice, just saying. Well, I get and so the, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, like, hold on a second. <laughs> whoa, 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 what, did I, did I go too quick? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the goddess Frigg, her son is Baldar, the, the, the god of summer sun, and he dreams of his own death. And he sees this as a prophecy, and so Frigg tells all the, the world of the earth, the sky, and water that no harm can befall her son. But the evil god Loki finds a loophole in this, and the loophole is mistletoe, because mistletoe doesn't grow in the water, on the earth, or in the sky. It's a parasite that grows on a tree. So he takes the poisonous mistletoe, puts it on an arrow, gives it to the blind god of winter, and says, hey, aim that way, and it kills Baldar. And for three days... Number three, significant. Uh, all the creatures of the earth, the, the sky and the water, try to bring him back to life, but no one's able to except his mother. The goddess Frigg cries and cries over him, and her tears hit his body and bring him back to life. And those tears turn to pearly white balls on the mistletoe. And she determines that because this happened, that there can never be any harm to anyone who stands under the mistletoe, and you have to give a, a token kiss of love. Uh, instead, as a, as a symbol that there will be no harm to anyone who stands under what, the mistletoe. That sounds like the ring cycle. What a story. Is it part <laughs> of the ring? There's a lot of uh, very, very... I, mean, I, I really feel like Tolkien got a lot of his ideas from North, Norse mythology. No question. Because a lot well, of, of that Ragnarok and, um, you know, the... Uh, the uh, what's, what's, what's the name of the wolf? I can't remember. Beowulf. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. There's a wolf that's supposed to. He's, he's supposed to, you know, kill Odin during the final battle at Ragnarok oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff. That's. It was really. It was definitely the first um, fantasy book, I would say. Well, when you when you heard about Krampus, did you say to yourself, "Boy, this. Why does this sound just slightly familiar?" And then you start thinking, you know, "You're a mean one, Mister Grinch." Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, that's living in a, a cave up there. You know, he's, when, his, when his green hair turns to like a horn at one point when he smiles, you go, huh, it's Krampus. So Jeff, Jeff, would you rather meet the, uh, the French Christmas cannibal or Krampus? <laughs> I think Krampus would be more interesting to, like, have a beer with. If I had to <laughs> have a beer with. I mean, Cannibals aren't interesting. They're just gross. The Christmas yeah, just, you know. cannibal. What the heck? Well, you know, and also, if, if, if Krampus is too much for you, Germans also have Der Belschnickel. Yeah. Bless you. Yes, they do. Thank you. Der Bel- and what does Der Belschnickel do? Der Belschnickel translates to Nicholas and Furs, and what Nicholas and Furs does is each village would have one, and he shows up, he's covered in soot, he's covered in furs, and he carries a switch of sticks. And unlike Krampus, he's not going to kill your children, but he is going to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe him. Send him to my house and prove it. Yeah, prove it, will you? That's phenomenal. So he shows up a couple of weeks before Christmas, and, and one year I might be Belschnickel, next year you might be it. And he shows up, and he'll open the door, and he'll say, so, are there any naughty children in here? And they'll say, oh, yeah, little Davy Schrader over here has been pretty naughty this year. Oh. And so you say, okay, Davy, come with me. And he'll take him to the backyard, tie him to a tree, and beat him mercilessly with sticks. And the idea is that I will get Dave to fly right so Santa can still bring him gifts in a couple of weeks. And once he's been, you know, punished, you know, sufficiently for his, his crimes and his disobedience, he can go back to his life, rub his sore bum and back, and get some gifts from Santa. 
Wow. Listen how sweet that is. It's very <laughs> sweet. He wraps it all up. After a brutal beating, you still get those goosies. You still get a seven up. <laughs> and that's the rest of the story. Has there ever been a clear definition by any religion, as far as the Holy Trinity is concerned, that which is which? What, you know, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in, in, in Catholicism. Which is the earth, which is the sky, and which is the water? Have we ever, has there ever been distinction there? Oh, boy. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a big question. And, I, I, I mean, I, I think that that comes down to, um, you know, every religion is supposed to have some sort of honor for nature. Yes, the, absolutely. The land we live on. Yep. And, that, and, you know, you have to realize a lot of rules of religion have to do with just basically a, a good society. You know, if you steal and kill, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's not going to be a good society. If you pollute and destroy the land you live on, you're not going to be able to stay there. Right. Uh, so, so some of our traditions that we, we carry forward, you know, the unleavened bread, if you're Jewish, that had to do with not enough time to let the bread rise. Right. It, was, it wasn't like, let's do away with yeast. It was, there's no time. It was We're Exodus, in that much yeah. of a hurry. So I, I think a lot of these traditions, um, it, it, and it's, it's sad because it's so long ago now that it's easy for us to just kind of reason it away. You know, well, we don't have to worry about the earth and the sky and the water anymore. We don't have to worry about ghosts anymore. We've explained all this stuff. Well, I don't think we have. And I think that's the reason that some of these legends just don't quite go away. You know, I actually had a Native American guest on our show last week. And we were talking about the Native American perspective on the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And he started talking about um, theology and religion. And I said, well, how how do you rectify religion with Native American culture? And he goes, they go hand in hand. And he goes, in your Bible... How does God create man and woman from the earth? Mm, God the right. father, earth the mother. Earth the mother. Yeah, and earth that is a mother. Yeah, and mother. he starts explaining this and that they, they've been sympathetical through all time and space. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. And he kind of lines up some of these points of how what the Native American culture believes in is just another version of Christianity. It is. Absolutely it is. And that's why it, I find it funny, and I'm not going to go over the top with religion here, but I do find it funny that right now Christianity is being beaten to a pulp, and I don't know why that is. Uh, what did Christianity now do that, oh, you don't even bring that up? All other religions are honored, and, and it's not just because I was raised Catholic, because I'm not a very religious guy, Jeff, and I don't, uh, matter of fact, I'm not religious at all, <laughs> if you want to know the truth. But I just, I really notice that Christianity right now is like this evil religion to to... to kind of like the far left of the of, of the country. I don't know why that is. I disagree. Um, I, I oh, think good. that, number one, uh, if you want to look at just pure market share, there are mm-hmm. more Christians in the world than anyone else. Um, oh, you mean in the United States? No, in the world. There are more Christians Christian. in the world than, than Muslims? All right, hold on. I'm Googling. <laughs> South America is almost all Christian. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Mexico. Yeah, 2.2 billion. Um, is, is 31%, and that, and when you add up well, all the others, that's, that's still more than... You're than, right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the largest market share. So, <laughs> Said the radio guy, I like that. <laughs> so when you're, when, you're number, when you're Coke, man, Pepsi's gunning for you. <laughs> that's what and it I think is. That's part, that's part of it. So, uh, I, you're and right. I think, and, and one of the fundamental problems, if you are going to be religious, I, I think about, you know, when Jehovah Witnesses come to my door, I actually, um, I, I engage. I think this is an interesting opportunity. So right. I open the door, and I say, look, stop whatever you're saying. <clears throat> you're, you're selling something, and I might buy. And here's what I, why I might buy. I want to know why your faith works for you, and I don't want you to use anyone else's words but your own. And often they'll say, well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, right, I go, whoa, whoa, right. whoa, 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 that's someone else's words. Right. That's the word of God. No, no, but that's still someone else. Tell me why it works for you, and you just get this blank look. 
And I thought about how, like, man, Jehovah Witnesses must be a tight group because how many doors are slammed in your face? How many people swear at you, tell you off? And you usually do this in pairs for safety mm-hmm. yes. or, or trios. And they must just go back and be, like, this, the most tight-knit group ever because they've been through some stuff. And if you, every religion has to sell that they're so oppressed because it helps the flock. It helps keep you unified and solidified. And if you're not oppressed, you, you better find some. <laughs> it's no good being on top, right? You, you need to be the underdog. And I think that's why some people look for, uh, you know, look for, for us to be, you know, Christians to be oppressed when, in fact, I don't, I don't see it. I've been a Catholic my whole life. I don't mm-hmm. feel it. I live in New England. My God, everyone around here is Catholic. No one, you know, no one's oppressed me, and I've traveled around the world. You live uh, in Massachusetts? <laughs> even in Massachusetts. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, do you live in Massachusetts? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do live in Massachusetts. I mean, who's going to mess with a guy from Massachusetts? Like, they're all Catholic. I mean, we, if there's one place that I would move, it would be to Massachusetts. <laughs> well, come on down. we got room. Oh, I, lo- I tell you what, I love Bostonians. I love Massachusetts. It's just, I, I, Jeff, I love, now, do you live in Boston? I live just south of Boston. Okay. Uh, I Here, don't want to say where because we have a football team in our town. Yeah, I've never heard of them before. No, they, they, they do all right. Never heard of them. Yeah. Uh, but what I love about Boston is uh, townies and southies, you're Irish, but you're the wrong kind of Irish. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And yeah. also, north, northern, uh, the north side of Boston is the safest neighborhood in the country. Yeah, you, you know, so there's so much history here, you know, yes. between Plymouth and, and Native American history and, and so much stuff. And, and what I love about this part of the country, too, is that our old buildings are preserved. I mean, I could take you to towns where if we walk down Main Street, if you take away the traffic lights and the street lights, that's what it looked like 200 years ago. That house was there and it was still red and yeah. that town hall looked just like it does now. Yep. And, you know, and so on. And so you, you really do get a sense of connecting with, uh, with, with some some roots that run pretty deep in, in this part of the world. And, and I think that's, that's wonderful. If, if we yep. lose our history, if we forget our history, we're really doomed to repeat it. And I think that's, um, that, that's a risk for anyone living anywhere. And so that's why I embrace these legends, because yep. in some ways, yep. that's the story coming back to the present. I love the fact that the Sicilians and Italians now in North Boston tell their children if they don't behave, Whitey Bulger's coming back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I still don't understand why Italians let him into North Boston. I'll never understand it. Uh, you know, it's uh, Boston's a unique place, and um, <laughs> yes, you have to kind of go there to, to, to figure it out. It's like it's like a big bowl of chowder, you know, and. Uh, Different ingredients make different results. Jeff, we got to have you on more often. You're a terrific guest. Dave said oh, you thanks. would be, and, and I called him a liar. But <laughs> now I find out he was telling the truth. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate a it. And I hope pleasure. you survive tonight, Krampus Knock. Good luck. Krampus Knock, good night, and Merry Christmas to you, sir. Thank you. Jeff Belanger, what an interesting guy. Yeah. Good we'll be guy. back. We'll talk about this right up to this Tom Bernard show. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. 
We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. No, I learned. I learned a long time ago. Like, I, I, I think it's whatever. Whatever you're into, you're into. But I don't know. I'm not into that religious stuff. Where, uh, and this is why I actually walked away from my religion. Just I had to be honest with myself. One, I didn't like to go. In, I didn't like going to church every week. You know, <laughs> I just didn't. Part of it was I'm lazy. I don't like getting up on Sundays. And the other part was I already heard all the stories. Okay, <laughs> heard three, four times. The dude hasn't come back yet. You know, we're just sort of mulching over the same shit here. I got it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then the other aspect was, you know, I actually, uh, I had to be honest with myself. I felt my religion made sense and everybody else's sounded stupid. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Bill Burr. He had some great insights on that bit. Man. Oh, yeah. well, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, when he goes after Scientology. Your religion sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how it was in my neighborhood, though. Honest to God, you go up and down the street. I suppose everybody's neighborhood back in those days. <laughs> His comment about Scientology yeah. is, he says, that happened when my dad was alive. My dad said it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. It never happened. No, I mean, literally, there were, and when I grew up, there was a Catholic neighborhood, which was separate from the black neighborhood, which was separate from the Jewish neighborhood. I mean, there were very big cultural differences. Sure. And everybody, and there still are, absolutely. But everybody thought everybody else's religion sucked. They still do. Yeah, and they still do. That's exactly right. That's what I get a kick out of. I know you like the Marx Brothers as well. Oh, I love the Marx Brothers. And I read the Chico's book, right? And and it talks about how he got so good at the dialects was the way to keep from getting his butt kicked between neighborhoods right so he would go between neighborhoods and he'd pick up the dialect so he'd start talking to you in yiddish or he'd talk to you in italian or he'd talk to you in irish with the with the lilt and then they think he was one of them and they'd leave him alone right and he kept going through the town that was the way he would traverse the area um makes total sense yeah so it's funny that that was his little uh his little saving grace, right? I'll just mimic whoever I'm around and I can't get in any trouble. <laughs> I, think, I think pretty much everybody does that if they have the ability to do it. Right. That's why accents exist, really. Yeah, absolutely. They signal that you're from the same tribe. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I speak more Yiddish than any Jew in Minnesota. I do. I mean, I learned to speak Yiddish when I was very, very young just by listening. You know, I didn't study it. I didn't, nothing like that. I just listened to what they were saying. And, of course, the Jews all call the Catholics shickers. Which are drinkers or drunks. <laughs> so that's really nice. Oh, you gone over to that uh, shikker event? 
Another shaker event over there. Shaker event. So, <laughs> gonna go get drunk with all the other Catholics. Very astute people. But those, but those neighborhoods. That's true. But those neighborhoods still persist. Still persist. Sure. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they you do. Know, in Los Angeles, in particular, they still persist. In the, you know, really? uh, in Los High- Angeles. Oh, on Highland, it's all conservative Jews. Yeah. That extend, you know, yeah, they all persist. In fact. Right, but it's not like it used to be where there was. Uh, uh, Irish town, Jew town. Yeah, no, it's, oh, really? it's, 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 oh, I, I don't no know if you use those terms. Yeah, because they're actually called uh, the Japanese, the Jap- Japan town, mm-hmm. Korea town, Korea town. Right? In fact, in Korea town, you know, all the a lot of the signs are in uh, uh, in kanji. And then if you go up to uh, um, up to uh, Glen, uh, oh, gee, Glendale, all the signs are in Cyrillic. Because it's Armenian, they have these huge, intense enclaves all That's over. That's amazing. Still, still to this day, and the Russian Jews live up uh, on uh, on Sunset near Hollywood. That's where there's a, the, the Jewish community is there. I mean, so it's you. Fascinating. you so there's even subsects that have their own little community because you want to be around the people that believe like you, look like you, mm-hmm. talk like you, because you have a common thread. Sure, it's not that you hate other things. people; it's just you just have a common thread. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. East LA has all the a huge Mexican population. People are speaking Spanish. You get the food there. It's everything is there. Still early on, right? But just the stories of how we got here and where we're going and what happens after we die. Everybody else's religion sounded stupid, you know? <laughs> like I live out in Los Angeles, there's a bunch of Scientologists out there. And the first time I heard the story of Scientology, I was like, that is the dumbest shit <laughs> I have ever heard in my life. Yeah. Like, your, your guy's name is Ron. <laughs> Ron. And he wasn't alive thousands of years ago, so you can hide a lot of it in the mystery. This guy was alive like 45, 50 years ago. He had a driver's license, <laughs> social security number. There's like footage of him stubbing his toe. Motherfucker. <laughs> Bill Burr is very funny. Have you ever, uh, Three you know, with as popular as, as <laughs> Leah Remini's show is, have you ever talked to uh, her sister? About the oh, yeah, Scientology, she's in, the one in town here. Yeah, yeah, Nicole. Yeah, Nicole's great. Has she? Have you ever had her on to speak specifically about the Scientology? Not issue? about Scientology. You no. should have her on because she's got a pretty unique perspective. That's you know, I mean, she's very much like her sister and supports the sister. But the mom and the sister, they all left that religion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. And uh, it's pretty. Uh, I don't know. Last time weird. we had her on, she was in with Bob. Oh They're God, doing those that, two. Yeah. You don't want Bob in with anybody. <laughs> no. Not a good idea. Well, last week he was in here. He almost looked like he wanted to kill somebody. Oh God! <laughs> oh, he was loaded for bear. He was loaded for bear. <laughs> the, the eye tie was coming out, and I'll tell you that. Sandy wanted to kill somebody. Um, I got the phone call, Dave. So I'm doing my show, and uh, Bob Sansevier shows up. I wasn't expecting Bob Sansevier today, <laughs> no. Dave. I would Neither imagine were not. We. Neither were we. Yeah, actually. he just kind of walked in. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm saying you. Was that call? You're like no, that was an interesting I day. No, I wasn't really interested. Yeah. That was interesting. Um, do we have all of Jeff Belanger's song? Did he send us the whole song? Yeah, because I do want to play it uh, at the end of the segment. How long is it? I think it's like three and a half minutes. Three. three? So I can. It's yeah. Krampus Day. We got to play the Krampus Day song. Can yeah. we play it? The whole thing. Well, he sent it to us. Yeah, there's nothing oh, naughty okay. in it. I doubt. No, it's, I mean, I doubt YouTube has that on it. Yeah. Okay. 
That's more unless it's like you know registered with a Sony or something. No, he but. gave it to us to play today specifically. Oh, okay. He All said right. we can. Uh, well, but I mean, he, he didn't publish it via Sony or anything, no. did he? Yeah, that no. is fine. Okay. They get all whipped up about that. Man. Yeah, they sure do. They get yes. all carried away about that whole. Well, that thing you know you can thank for that is uh, the kids in their rock and roll music. P- Puddinghead or what? What's his name? Puddinghead. The hell's his name? He Buckethead. Just... <laughs> P Diddy. There you oh, go. P. Yeah, Puddinghead well, is a better head. name for him. Yeah, Puddinghead's a better name for him. <laughs> I mean, he ripped off so many people to build his sure career. Did. That's why we have all these laws now. Well, is it just him? There was well, a lot of he, there was a lot there of the rap lot. industry did that. Oh yeah. You know, like it was funny. I remember in the '80s when Run DMC started hitting, and they were doing the samples. They were kind of one of the first ones I heard sampling. Sample, yeah. And they they sampled the monkeys, Mary Mary. <laughs> That's and right. my buddy, I call him up, and I'm like, he's writing a book on the monkeys. I go, did you hear there's a rap song called Mary Mary that samples the monkeys? It's unbelievable. And he goes, what? And he knew Mike Nesmith. And he calls Mike Nesmith, and Mike Nesmith goes, well, I'll be talking to my accountant. Yes, I will be. And uh, he made a big chunk of bank off of that that at first they oh, didn't I even see. think about it. They yeah. thought they were kind of back in that day, from my yep. understanding, the rap artists thought, we're doing you a favor. We're making you relevant again. Yeah, oh, that's Which they, they did thought, for yeah. air uh, for not air supply, <laughs> Aerosmith. Uh, with Aerosmith, right? Aerosmith, they did. Yeah, that reignited their career. Well, hey, everyone loves uh, smoke on the water, right? That's from what 1927 or something. Uh, I don't think it's that early. It's certainly before Deep Purple, though. That was Astrid Gilberto. Astrid Gil- oh, What's that it was called? Astrid Gilberto? Yes. Is it called Smoke on the Water? No. Oh, Girl from Ipanema Part 2. Well, it's called Maria Quiet. Quiet, quiet. I don't know how you'd Maria pronounce Quiet? It. Something Brazilian. Well, lo- that's how it's, per- it's, how it's spelled. That it's Maria Quiet. Sing. And she was born in 1940, so this would have been in the 60s. In the 60s? So, yeah, Deep well, Purple definitely. Smoke on the Water was in the 60s. Yeah, so they or heard that and were like, well, let's just do that. How about. Isn't it amazing to you how long a song will go? Like, uh, what's the, the ZZ Top song that uh, I guess it was Muddy Waters they ripped off? How, 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 how. That oh, song. LaGrange? Yeah, LaGrange. They did that, and then it was like 30 years later, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, that's our song. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> way, to be, way to be topical and hear it 30 years <laughs> after it was popular and on the radio all the time. How did you not mm-hmm. know that? I think basically they, because they're talking about going to a horror house and listening to his music, but they don't bring that up in the song. No, but, I, it, but, but that's like that whole beat it. of the song, yeah, the whole da yeah. right? That's all just a ripoff. But I'll tell you, you know, even with that said, I was telling you earlier, I took my girls, my two young girls to Jingle Ball last night. I don't know any of the Bakesha is like the only recognizable name I knew up there. Right. And I went uh, to, for them because this is a big thing. And I love music and I want my kids to have that memory of music, too. Sure. So Absolutely. we went and I'll, sit, I'll tell you what, I was still fascinated because uh, these bands were fun to watch. They were interesting. And I'm just I'm boggled by the fact that there are only so many notes and so many chords and so much music I can know. come of that. How are we it's not true. stealing from each other well, constantly? Kind of kind are. Of kind are of are now. now. Yeah, yeah. Sampling. Yeah, right. Sampling. Well, they're sampling, well, but I mean, yeah. there's still new music that's constantly created, and some of it's going to dabble and bump into each other. Sure. I understand, but yeah. it just still feels. See now, where I think there's a dangerous line is uh, the Blurred Line song that they oh, were able to was... sue because it was in the vein of. Yeah, I don't know if it was close enough 
to ju- if it was close enough to justify that lawsuit, right. then a lot of music is well, close enough. Well, they lost. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they lost lose, that, yeah. that, that Millions deal. Of that sets a very dangerous precedent. I and think. And who was it that they said it was? They were stealing from Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, right? To say that it was it was in the style of Marvin Gaye. Well, since when is that a yeah really a crime? I mean, there's different stuff. Marvin Gaye doesn't own a style of music. Pretty much everybody in the mid '60s wrote in the style of the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, right? really. Yeah. Or in the style or the of Dylan. Dylan. Or in the style of Dylan. Right. Exactly. And then you've got the entire rock movement, which was just stealing from the black culture. Yeah, absolutely. Which is funny. You know, one of my favorite songs, just a, a guilty, stupid pleasure song, was uh, uh, Tainted Love. Love that song. But, right? But did you know that was an old 1960s girls song? No. Yeah. yeah. You, Andy, look it up on YouTube. The yes. original, it's like the chiffons or something like that. Really? Soft cell or just a cover. They just covered it. Yeah. And then that's why when they rolled over the extended version, mm-hmm. they start doing the... Um, the Four Preps, recorded by Gloria Jones in 1964. Yeah, can you play that at all, or is that... Uh, can I? Let's see here. It's it's pretty uh, pretty cool, but I was like, wow, I had no clue that that was an original <laughs> tune. But you, you bring up that thing of why, why it took 30 years for them to decide that, oh, they copied our song. Which, I know. It's just like the chucker when he talks about what happens when the Grateful Dead fans <laughs> <laughs> finally sober up. What's that terrible <laughs> music? <laughs> What does a Grateful Dead fan say when he runs out of pot? What's that horrible music? <laughs> he was just sobered up. They ran out of pot. Your way, they stole our song. All right, let's see how this. Let's see if it, see okay, if it opens familiar enough. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, there you oh, go. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, great. It is the same song. It is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's the same exact song. Get away. Oh, that's a flat-out rip-off. Well, it's not a rip-off. They They were covering it. Oh, they did. They were just doing a cover. Oh, but like you listen to that, and how many songs? And I, if I had a Google list, I'll try to find it and send it to Andy for for another show. But uh, I've got a song, a a list of songs that originally done by somebody else, but yeah. it became ragingly popular, and you never knew there was another version of it. No, that's well, like, um, a lot of that. Mad World made, was made famous by that guy, piano guy. Piano guy. Billy, Billy Joel? Joel? No. <laughs> uh, Liberace? Gary Jules. Oh. Gary Jules is the version everyone knows, but it was originally by Tears for Fears. <laughs> Thank but God, no I one thought, knows that. I thought you said Harry Jules. I thought, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> what's that's what uh, uh, what's uh, Bang Your Head? What? Uh, Bang your head. Right. What is that yes. band? Uh, um, Quiet Riot. Yeah, there you is go. basically 10 years later redoing Slade's song. Yeah, that's right. And Slade was a pretty popular band. I like Slade. And they're right. They're a great band, but they never got to the popularity level. Mm. But if you listen to um, Come On, Feel the Noise by mm-hmm. Slade and then mm-hmm. listen to Quiet Riot, they're almost indistinguishable. Yeah. It's in, and you're like, wow! I didn't even realize this was a cover version, let alone it was a cover version of another famous band. Yeah. So I, yeah, I love the, that aspect of music, and well, I understand sometimes you're going to just have to do covers. But I wonder what you know. Is there still a, is there still songwriting unions that are? I mean, are songwriters still very prevalent? I know they're nowhere like they were in the '50s and '60s. No, no, not probably really. Not. Most bands are are important, but there's got to be somebody writing music for these boy bands and girl bands oh, and, and all that. They stuff. They don't write their own. I know that much. Andy, can you figure out? I mean, sharps and flats and all that stuff included. There are only so many notes. 
how many different combinations of notes can there possibly be? Well, I mean, if you're talking about like literally just random, horrible sounding combinations of notes, there's yeah. billions <laughs> and billions. Billions no, we're not billions. talking about rap music, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sorry. We've moved on. Oh, I just agree with Send you. your hate mail right to Ralph W. Basham. <laughs> Ralph at... W. Basham. Except for, <laughs> except for California Love, because that's a song about being proud of your neighborhood, which I like that song. The rest of the garbage about how wonderful I am, and I'm the greatest, and we should have sex. It's like, ugh. I know. It's well, the, obnoxious. It's all you got. Well, music is all mathematics, and it mathematics is, yes. is infinite. So that's, so that's the reason why you can have such a great diversity of, uh, of sounds and music and tones. Right, you know. but for songwriters to just, you know, it's like watching Amadeus. Right, and you watch that movie, and and they're telling you how his mind worked, right. and he just yes. heard things together. That just that's astounding. It is great stuff. That is great. And stuff. that you could just hear this, and you know, no, this needs a violin, or this needs this. Oh yeah, we will be back in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. This song is forever ruined for me, Mike, by uh, GNR. Yeah, that's the only way I can hear it now in my head, no matter who sings it. Because didn't Clapton do a pretty good uh, version of this, too? Yep. I just hear Axel Merman singing it. All right, this uh, top story today from KLFY. Channel 10. Why not KFLY? I don't know. It's KLFY. I'm just going with what they've got for me. Then it would be KFLY. Eaten alive. Woman known for her beauty suffers a horrific death at a nursing home. An investigation uncovered a Georgia nursing home resident died from scabies infestation. A forensic pathologist who reviewed the case estimates millions of parasitic mites essentially ate her alive over what could be several months or possibly years. 
Hmm. being eaten alive by scabies. According to a pending lawsuit filed by the family, 93-year-old Rebecca Zenny died back in 2015 from scabies at the facility. The autopsy report shows the cause of death as septicemia due to crusted oh. scabies. Yeah, well, septicemia. Well, she wasn't eaten. No, no, no. She got a inf- bad infection. Yeah, septicemia that. that got into the blood and, yeah, something... <clears throat> Yeah. Oh, it says here, state health officials were notified about a scabies outbreak at the nursing home multiple times, but did not inspect the Lafayette, Georgia facility. Zenny's family say their mother lived the American dream. She worked in a naval yard during World War II, modeled in New York, and worked at a TV station in Chicago. Zenny's daughters, who declined to be interviewed on camera, says she moved her mother into the Shepherd Hills nursing home back in 2010. Health records show Zenny suffered from dementia. Mike Perito and Stephen Chance are attorneys representing Zenny's family in a lawsuit against Pruitt Health, which operates Shepherd Hills Nursing Home, where Zenny died. I don't understand how you can allow a human being to suffer needlessly, said uh, Perito. Scabies is a painful but treatable skin condition caused when parasitic mites burrow into your skin, lay eggs, and survive off of your body. Pictures of Zenny before her death show flaking skin and her hands have been blackened. Chance claims staff were told not to touch Zenny's hands. There was a conversation at the nursing home with a healthcare provider about being careful about touching Mrs. Zenny's hands for fear that it might fall off her body. This is before, oh, well, hmm. good Lord. Yeah, 11 Alive News asked forensic pathologist Dr. Chris Sperry to review Zenny's autopsy report. He's the former chief medical examiner at the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Sperry said he's personally conducted more than 6,000 autopsies and supervised more than 80,000 others. This is one of the most horrendous things I've ever seen in my career as a forensic pathologist, said Sperry about Zenny's autopsy report. Sperry estimates hundreds of millions of mites were living inside Zenny at the time of her death. He doesn't think it's an exaggeration to assume she was essentially eaten alive and that she likely died a painful death. Having seen what I've seen... Mrs. Uh, with Mrs. Zenny, I think it's frankly a good characterization, said Sperry. I would seriously consider calling this a homicide by neglect. Yeah. A lo- local television station called and emailed Pruitt Heath's chairman, communications director, and an attorney representing the company numerous times for a response. Not one person responded. What a surprise there, huh? Oh. Eaten alive by scabies. Oh, and it's it just like crazy because, you know, they're that whole process of. Uh, of them burrowing, burrowing into your skin, you know, all the inflammatory reactions. So you're just, you're always miserable all over. Oh, man. Can you uh, believe it? Sounds oh. like she was so out of it that she might not have even known what was going on, though. Well, dementia just makes you kind of think different thoughts and random thoughts and patterns, right? But does oh. that, you still feel pain. So, so, so locked in your locked in your head, oh. sort of, yeah. you know, even though you don't know what's going on around you. I mean, you still are sensing pain. Oh, what a horrible thing. I mean, yeah, that might be it. That might be, yeah. That I might, told you that that might be it. The yeah. worst possible way. <laughs> Over several months, maybe several years, yeah. just being eaten alive to the point her hands turned black and nobody well, she would lost, do anything. Yeah, she lost circulation to her hands oh, uh, yeah. because of chronic infection or, you know, who knows? Or it could have been just that over infestation just in her hands. Oh, man. And we were talking before the show, Ralph. Uh, oh, give me! I need, I need some, I need some Compazine or some Zofran. I'm getting all sick to my stomach. Or just swallow Man. rubbing alcohol to clear out the system. No, that's not a good idea. Uh, we were talking before the show, uh, talking about parasites. This, Speaking it's, of parasites, it's the time of year, right, for ticks. Uh, that's, yeah. I'm not an outdoors guy, 
but uh, I've been bitten by ticks. I've I've had the bullet mark or what do they call the bullseye yeah. so I, I got bitten by a deer tick that was carrying yeah. lyme disease i was treated for it but i was i watched this documentary called under our skin and now there's a sequel to it i see that just came out in 2015 i have to check that out as well but i'm blown away by this and just how destructive this lyme disease really is and what it's attributed to and people are realizing that people are now being categorized with um chronic fatigue syndrome or uh, what, what's that other disease we mentioned earlier? Fibromyalgia. Yeah, fibromyalgia. Uh, this could really just be um, bacterial infection from this yeah. tick bite. And they actually did a test. I think there were 10 brains that they did tests on of people that died of Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and dementia. And in eight or nine of them, they found this virus from the ticks. Or the genetic marker of, right. of the infection. Right, that's uh, the word. In that. you know, and I've, I've heard that. As well, and yet, um, but you have to. That has to be corroborated by other evidence. I mean, that, that you, you can have a an, an, uh, coincidental uh, occurrence that way, and it could be that. Now, but nine out of nine, nine out of ten, yeah. that's a pretty high coincidence. That's right. But if they're all in, uh, in I mean, in, dentine's in, happy with three out of suppo- four dentists. Suppose they were all in uh, areas uh, where there was farming. Right. People were outside all the time, or they were all outdoorsmen. Yeah, maybe uh, they all have that. That's virus. right. They, they may have, uh, the incidence in the general population may still be ninety percent, so it's it's not meaningless. Now, if the incidence in the that's it, the general population is five yeah. percent, and ninety percent of the people have it, well, then there's a statistical significance. But it has to be, like I say, it has to be checked behind out for east other where things. this where the initial outbreak oh, yeah. began. They said that it's, you know, most people out there are carrying this and don't even have a clue. And they're saying that it now even may be transmittable by sexual contact. Uh, so it's a venereal disease? It, well, it, it can be. <clears throat> by the transmission. Yeah, that's one of the, the deals that they're looking at. What was really disturbing to me about this is the way that the medical community was being treated when they released this documentary. I think it was back in 2009. Because, what is it, tetracycline, right, is yeah. the antibiotic? Yeah. And it's it's a quick run, like a seven to ten day run. Well, if you if you if you f- discover a tick on you, mm-hmm. and you remove the tick or you know whatever, if you take you only need a single dose of tetracycline. I believe it's a single dose. I, last I, last I was told, and so I have a bottle of tetracycline, and and so if I see a tick, even if it's a wood tick on me, I just, you take a single dose, boom, take the tick off, walk away. So, well, the, it, it, but as as the infection goes on, then you have a more of a uh, more uh, a longer treatment well they've got uh, they've got these doctors that are featured in the documentary who who are very proficient at helping these people that had long-term exposure to lyme disease mm-hmm. and people that might have been repeatedly bitten and continually infected yeah. and the treatment is so simple i mean what is tetracycline has got to be one of the cheapest of the antibiotics oh, it is. it's one of the one of right. the, not pen, pen is the original but tetracycline wasn't too far behind they're uh they're being um stripped of their license for treating this because the the medical community does not accept that this is a real issue yeah, because- even though they've been able to prove in in this documentary and again i understand documentaries can be slanted to provide mm-hmm. the image they want to provide but if you're looking at this case and you're looking at it uh with the dramatic change that these doctors were having and they weren't harming anyone it was a simple antibiotic well, which does not have much in the way uh, of side effects does it, it it does it does and there, there are risks associated with antibiotics whether it's uh, uh, skin rashes whether it's uh, photosensitivity that's another uh, problem with tetracycline but the other thing you can also get clustered a difficile uh 
uh, sort of a horrible diarrhea, bleeding kind of problem because of an overgrowth of the bacteria in your colon. Yeah, so, they're not great for your uh, GI tract. Yeah, and not good, not good for your microbiome. So, you, you know, I, what happened, what they need to have done is they need to have a prospective double-blind study where they study as two groups of people, one that get the tetracycline, one that don't, and see what happens. Because some of the, if, if a, suppose you have, uh, you're a physician and you have 20 patients and you give them tetracycline, they get better. Okay, well, that's fine, but they may have gotten better because they've gotten better on their own. Or they got better because of the placebo effect of the drug. So you have to there's there it's a very complex and these studies are it take a long time because sometimes the differences that you see are not as great as you'd hope and then sometimes they'll do a study like that and they'll find out that one group is doing so much better than the other and they'll break the they'll break the double blind study to see what's going on mm-hmm. you know, or they'll have one group that's doing so much worse than the other and they'll break it because they're for fear that they're not treating somebody correctly or that the treatment, so it can either be that they're not treating somebody, so the disease is getting worse, or they're treating somebody, they're not treating somebody, no, they're not treating somebody, the disease gets worse, or they're treating somebody and they're having a bad reaction to the drug and you don't know until you break the, the code. Right, well, and in, in the case yeah. with the Lyme disease, if they're treating it, what has been a, a weird side effect of it is you're basically, you're killing these parasites that are in this this parasitic It's a bacteria. Bacteria. Yeah. And if you're not flushing your body properly, you're basically just carrying this dead disease in yeah. you that makes you very sick as yep. well. They said it's a, a high level of toxicity and can oh, cause you to be very sick okay. if you're not flushing that out properly. So some doctors are just giving the tetracycline without any kind of um, follow-up on how to, you know, you'll start to feel better briefly t- taking the tetracycline like the seven-day cycle. Right. But then you'll start to feel worse if you're not doing what it takes to get these parasites in the bacteria out what what uh what is the bacteria uh let's see here it's something i've never heard of borrelia burgdorferi yeah, bor- 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 bordel- <laughs> sure no, whatever what, what was it again it they just they just call it borrelia borrelia bor- borrelia i thought it was bordelia and i said well, <laughs> i know where you <laughs> that's so a that, different that, kind so, of disease well, that, explains, that explains the venereal connection right there. that's true uh, borrelia well, they're um, spirochetes What's that? They're spirochetes. Oh. Like um like syphilis. Well, like a lot of things. Yeah, syphilis or spirochetes and that and that has So and, that and, would make and, sense and then I, to the and STD I and I don't know you know as far as spirochetes go the if they have a characteristic uh, um, pattern of infection but uh well, I know, syphilis um, infection syphilis infection is a a chronic ongoing disease yeah. in that you get an initial exposure, you can get a you get an open wound, a chancre. Uh, not a canker, a chancre uh, on the genital area, then uh, or other exposed areas, then you go into a it goes it go be quiescent, and then it will go into a secondary phase where it uh, showers your whole body. You get a rash all mm-hmm. over your body and on your hands. That's one of the two rashes you get on your hand on your palms, your hands, and the soles of your feet. Yeah, syphilis is real bad. And then it goes quiescent again, and then it sort of creates these things called gummas. That uh, or gummas, uh, gummas that <laughs> no <laughs> gummas that are these uh, what they are called what are they they're uh, they're either caseating or non caseating granuloma I forget which is which tuberculosis has one kind of granuloma the other has the other kind and they get these you get in the central nervous system and you can get a characteristic gait yikes yeah and you can get some other central nervous system issues right. that are, it is 
It well, is, that's one a of the bad actor. The main woman in the documentary starts going through that where she's almost unable to walk for a, sh- a period of time, and they start dosing her, and then her husband starts showing signs of this as well. Huh. So then they were finding out, and there's been a lot of cases that have come out over the last five six years where they started treating people with Parkinson's and Parkinson's like symptoms with the uh, tetracycline and doing these runs, and it's been helping. So. Is there more to this? Yeah, I mean, this there, disease right. is pretty widespread. It, it is. It is possible there could be more to this, and certainly, mm-hmm. if uh, this a spirochete, spire, a spirochete kind of infection, that kind of bacteria, if it has that chronicity of exposure and chronicity of an, and a chronicity of effects in the long term, yeah, I, I mean, it's but uh, it, that that's possible. I, I but I, that I'm I'm boy, I'm on really thin uh, microbiological. Mm-hmm. Uh, and grounds here because I, I don't know that they're that spirochetes always will infect somebody in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, I we feel can like make that generalization. We prescribe so many antibiotics that someone would have noticed a pattern. I mean, it's like you know, how many people with Parkinson's never get prescribed antibiotics ever again after they get diagnosed? So you'd think they would take the antibiotics for something else, notice that their Parkinson's would get better, and tell their doctor, yeah. and eventually people would be they'd start talking. Yeah, but the, the 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 treatment cycle may need to be more than what a normal cycle. A normal cycle right. would be like uh, ten days for antibiotics. You may have to do this for like a month or six well, months. Dave said that you just have to take it once. Well, if you? you like, if you're if you got bit today and you saw the the target, usually you get no, on just cycling, just, and it can be then, one to seven days worth I of see. dose, depending on what the doctor wants to set you on. But for people that have had long time exposure to it. And they're being tested. And the thing is, you have to be really careful. You have to uh, look up not just any general practitioner, but a Lyme literate doctor in your area that is more proficient and actually understands the disease. Because even Lyme doctors will tell you that in some of the studies and in some of the tests that they run, the tests are not always conclusive. So you need somebody that knows what they're looking at. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue discussing strange things here on The Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. 
I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. <laughs> on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you tomorrow. Filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. You can check out my show at darknessradio.com, the best in paranormal talk radio. So I'm bringing the strange and twisted conspiracies to uh, Ralph. I can watch his, I watch the vein in the side of his head just start throbbing when I start talking about all these strange things off the air. I, I, I've, I've listened to Coast to Coast uh, mm-hmm. when Art Bell was on, God rest his soul. Right. And man, it was it was nutty. It was just oh, the the, the discussions are, got so intense and so, and really serious and scary. Oh, and my wife said that she couldn't listen to it anymore because she couldn't <laughs> sleep. She was afraid of it. It was it was crazy. Yeah, that was a. It is a great show. I mean, those sort of things people like to listen to when they and you want to listen to that. You got to listen to it at night. Oh yeah, and then you just kind of let your mind go. <laughs> and, and let it happen. We and won't sleep if you do that. We sat in uh, one night. We were doing, because uh, our show was on just before Coast to Coast AM when we were on another station. And we were doing this uh, show on this kind of domestic terrorism. These uh, major corporations supposedly are targeting people. And they will beam messages to them. They'll microwave them. They'll cr- create rashes, these things. And, and the medical community has not been able to answer questions on how people are being exposed to this. And when uh, sweeps are, are being done, EPA sweeps and such at their home, they're not finding anything that would cause these issues. So we're hearing all these weird stories. And uh, while we're doing it, I got one of the most blinding headaches I've ever had in my life. And I told Tim, I go, they're getting me, man. They're coming for me. But you watch these um, these uh, town hall meetings that they're talking, and, and they have these people come forward. And again, you think, okay, there's a nut in every town. There is. There just is. Everybody's got it. But all of a sudden, there were different people from walks of life, ex-military, uh, lawyers, doctors, um, you know, nurses, uh, teachers that were coming forward that believe that they're targeted by this. And that gets kind of strange. Well, yes. And there's you can, you can say, that, say the same thing about people who believe that the earth is flat now. There's a group of people that believe the Earth is uh-huh. flat. Sure. And even, well, it is. Look at a map. Even <laughs> map's not round, is it? In your face, e- e- even doctor. Though, even though, you know, uh, the, the, we have photographic evidence mm-hmm. from space. We do have. We? For, yes, we do. Yeah, but how come we only had one space? picture for, one for picture all those years? For, for one, it's not the same picture. Exactly, have, it is. We have photographic evidence. Mm-hmm. We have geometric evidence. Sure. It's just. It's just uh-huh. So you're part of the corporation, I'm aren't you? Part of the corporation, and it, 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 you're it, the man bringing the, us down. The, the, the world is round as a sphere. It's not just round; it's a sphere. It's not flat. I don't know about that, Ralph. Yeah. Well, what do you do when you get to the edge? That's the thing. You know, the, what do you do when you get to the edge? It's dome, dummy. Don't you read the news? What do you do when you get to the edge? A dome. You, you is hit not... the dome. You don't go anywhere. You're stopped. Like in uh, <laughs> you're stopped. Yeah, it's like the Truman Show. Truman Show. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you just you hit the dome. It's like a it's like a bug flapping up against the window. It can't get out. You're there. No, I know. We we did a show on that, and I'll tell you what, though, Ralph. You know, you roll your eyes about it. It's funny to listen to the people that do believe I it. I know because they've got some really interesting 
takes on what's going on. Well, they put and a it, lot of effort right. into and this. And then you get back and you sit there and you listen. And doing Coast to Coast in our show, we, we're open to these ideas. I want to hear why you That's believe right. the things you believe. And sometimes it's really interesting when you can walk away from a show, when I go in knowing the world is round, and I walk away going, huh, that was an interesting conversation. And not meaning like, oh, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> but I'm fascinated by what was shared with me. That, to me, I love those moments, those shows. I think, inter- I, and, I, and, I, and I say this in all honesty, I think interacting with people who have differing opinions is, is, is not frivolous, and it's an important interaction. Right. I mean, it truly is. And if, even if someone, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe misinformed, you have to respect that. And I think that our society has not accepted that. And, no. if, you know, if I don't believe the same as you, whether it's religion right. or politics or... Uh, work ethic or a thousand different things. I think dialogue and things is very important for all of us to grow. And, <laughs> what do you think, so. Andy? Should I get a, a flat earther on for your dad? Hmm. Be interested to hear, hear what Tom has to say about the flat earth theory. He does not keep his mind open, mm-hmm. but he is polite. He won't. He won't just you know vehemently disagree and you know just like laugh at people who don't agree with him. The, See, you know, I, I like a lot, to... a lot of people will just like instantly shut down, and you know, not gonna, even discuss anything. I'm going to try to get one on the show on a Tuesday when Ralph is here and you're here, Andy, because I want to hear you two take the guy. To well, task. you better be here. A, a, a <laughs> flatlander. You know, but that's what they call it. They call themselves right, flatlanders, right. don't they? Yeah. They right put down. out a call around the world, no, which is flatland, kind of ironic, flatland, don't you think? Flatlanders is a science fiction book. Could that's, be. That's a flat earthers. That's that's what they call themselves. Flat earthers. Yeah. Flatland is a the Carl Sagan thing. How he describes uh like two dimensions or three versus three dimensions. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's Carl Sagan. When you start getting into the more obscure references like that, like the domestic terrorism, the fact that uh the world is flat and, and that we've never been to the moon and that the yeah. moon is actually a satellite and when they pinged it with a, a laser a microphone, it made a hollow boom. <laughs> mm. when they hit it right. with a late, late. <laughs> right and then there's there's the audio that that is reportedly out there it's the equivalent to the 13 minutes of missing watergate tape that when they did the first moon shot when they went around the backside of the moon yeah he started describing um structures and that part of the audio no longer exists but australian <laughs> ham radio operators who were listening recorded it and that's still out there. So there's some of that is, is pretty crazy. You start listening, you're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, well, wait. And then I, you've got one of the, the astronauts who is looking out the window, and he goes, hey, where are our thrusters? And they're like, oh, it's about 500 miles behind you. He goes, well, then we're not alone. And they're like, okay, switch to channel 9. Oh, good Lord. And they, they switch over to a controlled <laughs> channel. But that's interesting, too, right? I mean, you've got these guys that are the, the best of the best. That's what the whole movie's about. And they're up there, and they're supposed to know what they're looking at, and something's outside the ship. But I'm always intrigued by what their theories are oh, and why they get to that theory. Oh, man, that is, that is, that is coast-to-coast party line I'm listening to yeah. here. That is the greatest. Well, how about the fact that well, when, uh, well, what, when no. Kubrick died, there's audio. And I don't know if you could find it, Andy. If you look up the Kubrick audio where he admits filming, he admits it without admitting it. But I he admits that he works, about. that he, he did a, a film for the government. And basically is kind of admitting, this is what the believers have, that, that he filmed the lunar landing and that it was all done in a soundstage, which was what, Apollo, or not Apollo, but... Apollo 13. No, no, it was... No, uh, Apollo 13 was the one that went bad, right. went sour. What was the movie called? And it was like stage 13 or something, like it was, it was like that, where they showed how they faked the whole moon landing. 
But it's interesting that right well, after Kubrick died, they released that audio of him kind of admitting to having filmed a secret pro- project for the government. Well, who released this? Someone that made it? Mm, I can't tell you. Okay, if I worry about your safety, you worry about you worry about the domestic terrorism. You know, your purple lilac PT cruiser out there is easy to find. What about the people that are that believe that the contrails from the jets are chemtrails? Chemtrails. Yeah. What about it? Well, what about what about me? Makes sense to me. What part? What part of it makes sense that they're that they're dosing us with chemicals or that they're creating a a sky a chemical skynet to keep aliens from being able to get through and permeate us? Wow. That's why why UFOs keep crashing. They hit that that invisible web. And they keep crashing? Yeah. Why don't we hit the invisible web, though? Yeah. Because it's invisible. We know know where it's at. Mm. We can turn it on and off, Andy. Come on. We can turn it on and off. How many many alien spaceship crashes do we have to uh, account for? There's quite a few. But then you get ones like Rendlesham Forest. Who gets them? The government, man. Oh, they always get them? Luckily, the United States has been involved you're in most t- you're, of them. You're telling me that of all these alien mm-hmm. spaceship crashes, mm-hmm. not one of the one of the uh, the buddies down there in, in the south has seen one in the middle of the swamp and got into it. Got into it and was able to get it out of there before in his pickup before you know the the government already knows that it's downed. They come out. They follow those things. They follow them. Come on. They're leaving a trail behind them. Radioactive, and that, uh, and what that means, what's that? What you're saying is that uh, the human race is smarter than the aliens that have traveled millions of light hey, years to get here. You know what? Sometimes you've got bad drivers, <laughs> and they just make the wrong choice. That's they hit right. the wrong button. That's right. We're smarter than oh man. Uh, nobody's saying we're smarter than the aliens. They're just saying that you know sometimes things are shot down. They believe that there is a Tesla, Tesla death ray that has been created that has been seen shooting at these things. Interesting. Interesting. There was the, and this. And this is this happened. Uh-huh. This happened in that um, when I was at the University of Utah. How long ago? That was. That would have been in 1974. The uh, those uh, the, one of the defense contract defense uh, contracts was there. They were doing research on X-ray lasers. And the physics department, or uh, it may have been the, the chemistry department, and the physics department there had this announcement that they had made had made a breakthrough of developing an X-ray laser, and it was immediate. It came out. It was immediately uh, put the kibosh on it. That they shut it right. They, they said no, no, no. We were we were we made a mistake. No, we didn't. Mm. Well, how about the cars that were supposedly going around that had the ability so, to X-ray inside your house? This was in the news a couple of years ago, and people were getting really offended and bothered you, by it. You know, so, did you know that the sheep died from nerve gas in Dugway? No, I did not. You didn't know that? What is going on? So you are you, you mocking me? No, I'm not mocking. No, I'm not mocking you because at the time, at the time, they, they, they were what were ten thousand sheep died in the Dugway proving grounds. And they said, oh, it probably was nerve gas. And the government said, oh, no, we would never do it. We're not testing nerve gas. No. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and so they went through this whole process. And, and, and eventually it did come out a few years ago that it, what, that's exactly what had happened, is that these sheep had died from this nerve gas test there. And, you know, the idea of conspiracy theories, you know, certainly is, not, is, is, is fueled by those sort of things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there were some number of other things during the 60s. Well, uh, Nixon's resignation and all that, mm-hmm. that cover-up kind of thing. Those sort of things. I think that's what's kind of fueled this continued ongoing um, distrust of the government or conspiracy theory that people – and people like to have the conspiracy theory because it, it gives you a community. 
Yeah. And that's one of the basic human needs is you need a community. See, my, my issue with the whole we never made it to the moon is the fact that China and Russia have both seen the garbage we left up there. The rover and, and literally the, the moon garbage we left. Right. Mm-hmm. They would be the first two to say, we don't see anything. Yep. There's nothing up there. We've scanned every square inch of that right. thing. There's nothing. <laughs> they would be so happy to dissuade and, and prove that that we were a bunch of frauds. Can you Unless, s- of course, they know. Can, well, of course. They're they, part of it. They're they part of it. Of course they're part of it. It's it's it's, it's the, uh, the Illuminati. The Illuminati control everything. Illuminati <laughs> probably did the thing. Did Can you – could you – if you have uh, an amateur, te- if you have an amateur telescope, is it possible with current uh, resolution and uh, video resolution? Could you see garbage up there? Kind of know. Yeah, actually, you- I believe that there are a few people that have been able to get in pretty close because of the resolution and the zoom quality on, on some of the cameras and telescopes that are up there. Well, not up there, not on, on Earth itself. Right. Well, I mean, I meant the stuff they can see up there using yeah. the telescopes. Huh. Because there are some people, if you go on YouTube, you can see some of the amateur astronomers. Well, some of the amateur astronomers are the ones that have found, yeah. you know, comets and meteors that are zipping towards yeah. our space. Yeah, that's and, and that's the story behind uh, Lucifer's Hammer. Right. Lucifer's Hammer, that, that whole story was the amateur astronomer who found the the uh, comet uh, or meteor that eventually uh, strikes the earth. Cause is that the one that it comes around the sun and, and we didn't see it because it was in the sun? No, no, it's, it's the one that they, they saw it and it was supposed to come close. And, 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 and it's interesting in, the, in there when, when they were, and it was at Larry Niven, when he was writing the book, he says that this comet had been around and he says, he goes through a, a lineage of this comet and like a hundred or a hundred million years ago, a million years ago, a hundred thousand years ago, each time that it had visited, things had changed a little bit. It came a little bit closer to Jupiter this time, a little bit closer to this And each time it, it had just changed ever so slightly. And then this final pass, it comes close to the earth, but misses it, then goes around the sun and boom, right into the earth. It, that's a, that is a well-written book. That book is Larry Niven does a great job with that That in his other book, Ringworld. See, people have to learn how to use their cameras, too, because I get so many photographs of, I know. of strange things. like Blurry. It's always blurry. <laughs> Not even that. No, it's the, <laughs> the right. they went out in the morning, and they took a picture, and you can see two other planets in the sky, like moon-sized planets. Right. And they, a lot of people just don't understand the way a camera works and refraction and reflection. Yeah. And, and I try to tell people it's like when you're watching TV and you see a car coming at the screen at night. And as its headlights are on, you'll see the headlights roll up off the corner of the other side yeah. of the screen. All you're seeing is reflection off the camera lens. And you cannot make those people believe no matter what. And I'm open-minded to this stuff. But when they're showing me pictures of other planets that are only seen through the eye of their cell phone, then I start having an issue with uh, some of the... <laughs> Some of the belief out there, not all of it. You know what? It's you, it's sometimes hard to accept the you know some of the basic laws of physics and uh, light physics. Physics, physics. <laughs> if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, we get a lot of the the weird stuff with uh, the ghost photographs and, and images. And unfortunately, now there's things like ghost capture, which are apps that you can take. So I could take a picture of you, and then I can go into my app and add a ghost behind you and choose the translucency yeah. or opaqueness of it. And, and then we get those all the time, and people hate when I debunk those pictures. But I'll send them, I look online and find that same ghost at Disneyland. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more here on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. 
This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, powered by Nutmos, is having an early holiday sale. Well, you'll receive 20 to 30% off the cost of the program. Shed those unwanted pounds and look great before the holidays get here. Lose 20 pounds or more. Consumer guarantee. See website for details, ultimatewl.com. Ultimate's plan is unlike any other weight loss program out there. With over 1 million pounds lost to date, and clients like me will tell you that this is a weight loss program that works. This plan is customized for each individual person, and the Ultimate Weight Loss staff will be there for you every step of the way. They help me change my life, and they can help you too. Start to live your healthiest life and schedule an immediate consultation in their new Edina location or Plymouth with expanded hours. And look great for the holidays. Sale ends Saturday, November 9th. Call now and save. 763-333-7337. We're back on the Tom Bernard Show. Talking about strange news. A man who says he tried to commit suicide by drowning himself during a bipolar episode is now suing police in Virginia over claims they stood by as the life drained out of him. The suit, filed by Polish national Matusz Filikowski, is, uh, in Virginia alleges that Fairfax County Police actually held lifeguards back from saving him until he was clinically dead. That's what the Washington Post is reporting. Filikowski was working at the pool in Fairfax two years ago while in the U.S. on a summer program. Though he spoke little English and could not swim, he was reportedly made an assistant manager of the facility. Per the AP, Filikowski says he's suing because the 2016 incident left him with more than $100,000 in medical bills. He says he had uh, never suffered any mental health episodes before the incident, and he was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder. According to WTOP, the suit, uh, the suit names 11 police officers as well as the lifeguard supervisor and the company that runs the pool. Filikowski's attorney posted a video taken during the incident that shows the moments before he entered the pool as well as the aftermath, which uh, rescuers use CPR after Filikowski says he was clinically dead. He was left underwater for more than two minutes. What a moron. <laughs> underwater for two minutes? Yeah, this sounds like a crazy person yeah, being crazy. That, that yeah. doesn't... He spent the next two weeks hospitalized before a subsequent six-day stint in a psychiatric unit. For their part, the Fairfax County police officers uh, acted to protect their own safety and the safety of lifeguards. They say they acted quickly enough to save Filikowski's life. Fairfax County Police Chief Edwin Rossler said he uh, fully supports his officers' actions and has called the lawsuit frivolous. To me, the fact that the video is before and after but not during is pretty damning. Well, it is. I mean, you he would... was underwater Two minutes. Well, that too. Well, four minutes. What? Four minutes before you have uh, brain death. Well, yeah. Where you're dead. Where you start. Right. But two minutes. You know. I, I mean, I, I know you can drown that quick if you I jump know, in and, and you take can a be lung dead. Full, and you can you, you can you can fill your lungs with uh, water and you can trash your lungs that way. But you know that 
Two minutes. You were only underwater two minutes? But why would he edit out the actual incident of the video that he posted? Well, he may not. It may be just a video that they were able to, you know, somebody videotaped him going in and another person videotaped him with the CPR going on. You know, people might have come from different angles on, on what was going on. Okay. Did so, you hear the one so case? So we don't know what happened. So right, exactly. You don't know what happened. Did you hear the, the kid that was, uh, like, in one of those lazy rivers, he, him and his buddy? And according to this, something fell <laughs> off of his goggles so he reached down and it had fallen through a grate he lifted the grate to grab it and his leg was sucked into the oh sure the hole so um, he was underwater for 10 minutes and is still okay he survived not that i'm putting boy, this other guy down okay no what's interesting no he is he's fine he's fully recovered and back in school uh what was really interesting was a family friend saw this he dove in and he would take mouthfuls of air and go down and breathe into this kid's mouth to keep him alive until nah. they were able to, then all the cops jumped in the water and they were finally able to dislodge his leg. But it was this guy breathing for that kid. Oh, okay. I would have never even thought of that, Ralph. That's a genius move. That's like something straight out of James Bond. Yeah, James. That's a that's a James Bond or MacGyver. Although yeah. that's a little dated. Right. Yeah. Sorry, that dated. <laughs> that's kind of Bondy. That's a, that's yeah. That's a dated. Blowing the fresh air into the lungs to keep him alive. That's, that's yeah, pretty amazing. That's a septuagenarian kind of ten. Comment. ten. <laughs> you should be ashamed. <laughs> MacGyver. No, MacGyver's back on TV now. Oh, oh. it is? There's the, yeah, reboot can, of MacGyver. Man, what? That mm. is, it's on its like third or fourth season. Well, they brought back Lost in Space, speaking of old. Yes, and actually that, that has been pretty good. I watched the first episode and I enjoyed it. They're not going for the camp. They're going for the uh, yeah. oh, total oh, sci-fi okay. thing. Okay. Well, and it's pretty decent. And it was on the Sci-Fi Channel? No, it's on uh, Netflix. 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 Okay, yeah, I've yeah, seen it. I wanted on. to check it out and see it. It was uh, the first episode was really good. I haven't gotten past that. My wife and I are working our way through Dexter right now. Oh, Dexter. Not Did you, uh, did you ever watch it? No, what's the other? What's Archer? I no, when someone not says Archer. Dexter, I think Archer. No, Dexter is the serial killer with <laughs> the conscience. He's, he only kills bad guys. Have you ever seen that show? No. Oh god, it's that. brilliant. Oh, what an amazing like, show. I got to like season 3 and it just ended up getting really derivative and i was like Bleh. how dare you andy it, it ended up being uh step outside ralph kick his ass for me <laughs> it was, pick it on my show. Well, how far what's the most like recent big deal thing that happened when you were watching uh let's see well we made it through the john lithgow episodes which were phenomenal i think you missed that if you didn't get into the i no, think that's I fourth him. season that I, was a great the trinity I killer I, I don't know how far i watched yeah i saw that right i, I, I quit not long after that, though. And then uh, the fifth season was the um, uh, the motivational speaker. Yeah, I don't think I watched that. Yeah, that's it's pretty good. I like it. It's it's unique. I like the perspectives and the the personalities and his interior monologue is great. Just for watching him <laughs> so, try to adjust. So so does he kill a person every episode? Not every episode. Sometimes he kills two people. So it just kind of depends. He's mm-hmm. got uh, he, he was born of blood. His mother was butchered in front of him. And he was left in a puddle of blood. So the cop that was uh, working the case adopted him and realized that this kid was, was hell-bent to become a serial killer. So he teaches him a code. So then the kid becomes a blood spatter analyst for the Miami-Dade Police Department. Oh, and, right, right. And right. then he starts using his connections to track down killers mm-hmm. that get away with it or are probably going to have enough money to get out of it. And then he just picks them off. And uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting, clever show. It's different than what's on right now, and that's what I have enjoyed about it. So I, I watched it when it first came out and was revisiting it now with the wife, but we've really enjoyed it. I think we're just starting into season six right now. now There's TV's, only eight seasons. TV's not in a great place right now. 
No, and but I don't know. Where, I, I do you guys binge? Do you sit there and you'll watch an entire like twelve episode series like Kristen was talking about all in one shot? Well, usually I'm doing something else when I'm doing it. I don't just sit there and watch TV. I'll have the TV on while I'm doing something else. That's See, what that I may do. be why you didn't enjoy Dexter. Then it's kind of the nuances Wait, of the so, show you got to pay attention to. So, you, so you, you would you do, do you game? Yeah, or like you know if I'm cleaning my house or something like that. Okay, or trying to uh, keep Hobbs from uh, tearing things apart. Yep. And basically, yeah, I, I'm always doing two things at once. I can't do that. I can't pay attention to that. Oh, I, I listen to podcasts when I garden. Well, right, but that's... Two things at once. Right, but it's not... Gardening is kind of a mindless... Oh, thank thing. you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, any moron could do that. I can't... I, oh, oh, yeah. oh so I can hardly breathe. Bill like Billy somebody, with a bunch of dirt on his overalls can go out and do that. <laughs> That's right. Well, that's what you end up with. You, you feel look just like a hillbilly. Tell me you do it with just one, one, no T-shirt on underneath. You just got the, the bib overalls um, and one shoulder off. Worst look in the universe. <laughs> your honey brings, you got the, the one one cuff is rolled up on your pants. She brings out the lemonade for you while you're working in the back 12. Beer. beer. Oh, beer. Oh, beer. Oh, of course, beer. Fancy. Look at you. That's, a, that's for after, the, after you get done uh, tilling the field. Then you get into a fist fight. And- you know, you get With blood. your brother-in-law, yeah, you, you get into a fist fight, and you get you get blood all over, you know, blood all over the front of your uh, overalls. overalls. Yeah, yeah. So. Sounds like you've been there before, Ralph. Okay, well, I, I, I watch the shows. I watch the shows. All right, uh, let's see here. A game of hide and seek among children took a deadly turn in East Houston, and now an autopsy begins to explain why. Fernando Hernandez Jr., age 10, was found unresponsive in a clothes dryer on Friday night. ABC 13 reports the cause of death was electrocution per the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office. Authorities provided no additional details, and the Washington Post notes that it searched online for similar stories and general warnings about dryers and didn't find news on something like this happening previously. KHOU's video report indicates the incident happened in the large laundry room available to his apartment building's tenants. Mom Cristina Rodriguez says her nine-year-old alerted her to her son's condition. And my boyfriend picked me up and brought him into the house. He was purple and his eyes were open, but he was gone. Fernando later died at a hospital. A detective with the Houston Police Department confirms to the Chronicle that juveniles were playing hide-and-seek and juveniles were the one who found him unresponsive. Hmm. Sounds like uh wasn't properly grounded. That can happen. Right, but if it wasn't on, how do you get electrocuted? Yeah. Even if it's not on, I mean, the it's still plugged in, so if something's faulty, you know, if there's a connection that shouldn't be maybe there. Maybe sweating in there. And, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, like, some something internal. I mean, like, maybe yeah. water got inside the circuitry, and that caused a, you know, connection. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's probably a, a ground. But then, but then if it's not grounded, they, they aren't, well. It should be on GFR circuits. I mean, there's a, there's a thousand things, but if none of that stuff was done, you know, it's, a, it's some sort of, and, they're, and the commercial ones are high voltage, the 220 volt. So, and a kid doesn't take much to stop. Well, if it's 60 cycles, it doesn't take much to stop their heart. Yeah. It's in the, it goes across their heart, stop their heart, and that's that. Okay. Yeah, it's, if, it, if the electricity yeah. actually goes across your heart, then it, it only takes a, you know, in an instant to make your heart stop beating. Yep. So, you know. And, and, it, and the 60 cycles is close to what your heartbeat can be. And that's the dangerous part of it. So if it was a thousand cycles. The chance, the chance of electrocution is less, but it isn't sixty cycle. That's why I make sure to keep my heartbeat at a healthy one twenty. <laughs> you never want to match it up. Exactly. <laughs> match, match the cycles for your electricity. But that, yeah, that that's the only explanation because getting just getting inside 
there what unless uh, unless it gets static electricity that's not going to kill you because it's such a it's such a low amperage and yeah i mean like or suffocate it but after the uh we had a dishwasher in our florida house a couple years ago and it broke and somehow the ground just you know stopped working correctly and if you touched the case then you'd get a pretty bad shock so that can happen yeah Oh sure, yeah. sure it can. And, and so technically, if I if you touched it with both hands, it could cross you know from one hand to the other through your heart, and there you go. Or you touch it with one hand and touch the ground to exactly. the other. Exactly. Boom. In in a, a, a nine year old, it doesn't take much. So yeah, that's why you got to uh, fix your high voltage appliances when they break. <laughs> fix. Yeah, high your, voltage not good. So the, the, is that is that, is that the uh, takeaway message? Yes. Fix your high voltage appliances. Well, you'd be surprised how many people just like you know well you know it shocks me but it still works so i'll just keep on using it i know i oh yeah cords too man you know i have to constantly yell at my kids they plug their phone in and then lay their phone on their bed while they're sleeping charging just sets on fire yeah oh man those fires have been brutal have you seen how fast that goes when that electric spark hits the blankets and stuff are not prepared for that man well it depends on the blanket if it's a cotton blanket doesn't burn as quickly as a a polyester the polyester kind of or synthetic fabric those are the ones that go up like a torch once they're lit yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know if i'd want a blanket that's well i mean i never i i keep my phone when it's charging you know on a table because of that very thing Here's a horrifying find made behind the wall of a mall bathroom. Police in Calgary are investigating a horrifying find made when a mall maintenance worker tried to fix a toilet in a woman's bathroom that wouldn't flush. If you were to look at the toilet, there's a panel behind it so that when people move, it would automatically flush, says police spokeswoman Emma Poole. When they removed the panel, they found a deceased person behind that wall. Police say the body is that of an adult male, though no identity or cause of death has been determined. The CBC reports the grisly find was made Monday morning at the Core Shopping Center, the main shopping complex in Alberta's city's downtown area. Well, that's Jimmy. Jimmy Hoffa. That's Jimmy Hoffa. That's Jimmy. Investigators (laughs) do not suspect foul play at this point, and the death has been classified as undetermined, police said in a statement Monday. So what, they expect he crawled in there and just died? Well, you know, there's a lot of these people that have hidden out in malls at closing time to have a place to sleep. And they'll find these these ways in. Uh, It isn't clear clear how long the body was in the wall. The bathroom is located near the food court on the fourth floor of the fourth-story mall. The police believe it is possible that the man became stuck in the wall after he fell while crawling through a vent or air duct, the Calgary Herald reports. That would be the most logical at this point that it was from above, Poole says. Uh, so that is obviously something they would be looking at is if someone was crawling through the ventilation do system. They do, gen- do they do genetic testing to see it, make sure it wasn't Jimmy Hoffa? I don't think so. You know, <laughs> that's where they put him. They put him in. They put him you know, in the construction. Yeah, I think they, Jimmy would probably be a skeleton at this point. So how long how 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 long has this, this corpse been? They don't it? know for sure. They're still checking it all out. Oh, they're not. They're, they, yeah, they're not quite sure. Could you? Uh, they haven't gone they haven't by gone. the food court. That smell had to be brutal. Yeah, really. No well, one smelled that. <laughs> well, it's coming from the bathroom. Somebody's probably. Just I saying, guess Whoosh. that's true. You're always making the excuse of oh, who's <laughs> well, in there. So, some people might say, "What's they? What was? Oh, what kind of food were they cooking? What? Right. What, you know, what restaurant was it? What kind of ethnicity was it? You know, oh. yeah, some, some people might say <laughs> say that that food. Oh, that food smells pretty rough. I'm not, not used to that. So, oh, next to the food court. Oh, brutal. 
Well, this has been fun ways to die on the Tom Bernard show. Ah, <laughs> oh, good God. Stuck what a bunch a of just twisted, Ugh. weird stories. Oof, good grief. Just a bunch of weird stories. I have people texting me and emailing me right now saying that after the death by scabies, all of them are sitting at their desks at work just itching <laughs> profusely and unable to uh, complete. This is Take a shower. Tom Bernard show. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. Yeah.